Hello, everyone, and welcome back to 2020 Psych. I'm one of your hosts, Claire Kay, and I'm joined today by my dad. I'll go ahead and let him introduce himself. My name is Dr. Hernandez. I'm a double board certified American psychiatrist. Today, first, we want to talk about a first thank you guys for tuning into our last episode where we talked about Mr. Elon Musk and Hopefully you found that interesting. Hopefully he found that interesting. If he just so happened to listen, who knows? Um, but we want to continue our discussion on it is still the month of May. It's still Mental Health Awareness Month. So we're going to talk about today. Um, actually, I'll let you introduce the topic, Dad, since you you were the one that wanted to talk about it. Gladly. We're going to talk today about a very sad statistic that the Center for Disease Control reported on May 11th in regards to the staggering number of an inc- the increase in overdoses that were reported for 2021. Specifically, there were over 107,000 deaths by overdose uh, that were reported, which is the first time that uh, more than 100,000 overdoses have ever been reported. And this was up from the prior year of 2020, where there were over 90,000 deaths. So it's a very sad uh, day for us to learn that the number of overdoses are increasing. I think it's one, like you said, sad, and then, but also not surprising that the number has increased. I feel like we've spoken on our podcast before, uh, some of our predictions in the beginning of 2021, and again this year, beginning of 2022, just kind of what you see the trends you see happening um, nationwide. So does this statistic really surprise you at all? Well, it's it's not surprising. And the experts will tell us that there's actually two public health crises going on uh, in the world right now, um, more so in the United States. And of course, the pandemic is affecting everyone. However, the opioid crisis in the United States is is the other pandemic that is actually, or not the pandemic, but the other crisis that actually has preceded the pandemic. Even way before uh, the pandemic started, there was an opioid crisis in this country that has only been getting worse within the past two years. I just, I find it really interesting because I think when we're talking about the war on drugs, for example, you think of substances such as weed being, you know, a weed or meth, heroin, those types of things that kind of go in and destroy communities. But I feel like there hasn't been much of an open, direct conversation about opioids and just how common they are in households and how commonly they are abused. Well, those other substances uh, that you have mentioned, amphetamines and cannabis, are are clearly very prevalent and they cause a lot of uh, disruption and a lot of violent behavior in patients and uh, they disrupt uh, communities and our society as a whole. I think, though, the difference with the opioids is that in overdose, they can kill you as opposed to amphetamines and cannabis, which, again, will cause a lot of... Uh, issues in regards to patients overdosing and being suicidal, homicidal, and psychotic, but they won't exactly kill you in overdose. Mm -hmm. And let's just talk about, you know, I'm sure it doesn't 
with opioids, it doesn't take much to overdose, right? Or does that kind of depend on the person's weight and their maybe their tolerance level to the substance? Well, I think you know opioids involves a, a wide class of, of drugs, but I think the the one that specifically has f- that that has fueled this overdose, uh, the the death of is the fentanyl, which is is a synthetic opioid, which is fifty times more potent than heroin. That's the culprit here. That's what's really killing a lot of uh, uh, people. What might attract someone to take fentanyl in the first place? Well, fentanyl is cheap to produce, and mm-hmm. therefore is it's more readily available uh, in, in our society. But what are like the symptoms? Like you, if you take fentanyl, what are you going to experience? Like what attracts people to want to do that substance? Well, like all opioids, it it causes uh, euphoria. It causes a sense of uh, uh, pleasure and that's what makes people uh, addicted to it, that it's so uh, euphoric and it's so uh, pleasing to... And and is that a substance that would, in a medical professional setting, would be prescribed to someone to treat a certain illness? Or is that just something that was made accidentally in a lab that... Well, opioids in general have been used as analgesics primarily right in medicine, but because the, their properties that they cause euphoria, they, that's what makes them be abused by so many people, and so and and it's easy to get addicted to these. So these overdoses with fentanyl are these these aren't suicides, right? These are accidental overdoses. You would think that the majority of these are unintentional. Mm-hmm. And so what what happens to the brain when you're on fentanyl besides, you know, those euphoric feelings that you were talking about, but what physically happens to the brain, to your body that kind of signals your body to turn off or wh- like what, what happens? Well, opioids, again, they produce this, uh, this pleasurable sensation and, but they also... Uh, produce a great uh, or tolerance quickly develops to them so people need more and more to produce that same pleasurable effect but unfortunately there's what the what opioids do is that they depress the respiratory center and there's no tolerance to this part of of the use so that people will continue using them to the point where they stop breathing and and that's what uh, unless they're able to have uh, something that will reverse that effect, such as Narcan or Naloxone, uh, they will they'll stop breathing. And that can either happen like as they're high, or if they go to sleep after you know taking the pill and hanging out for a while. Exactly, they can be using it, and then all of a sudden uh, they 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 pass out. And so it, it's critical for to identify patients that are using this so that there are, again, medications that can reverse these effects, but if they're not discovered in time, uh, that's what leads to their death. And so do you think half the time of ha- with these fentanyl overdoses specifically, do you think users even know that they're taking fentanyl or do are they under the impression that they're taking something else? 
Well, what's been reported is that many other drugs are being laced with fentanyl to, again, produce a, a, a more of this euphoric effect. And so a lot of, it, it seems as though people aren't even, consumers of, of, of drugs aren't even aware that they can be, they're taking that. that they can be exactly, that they can be uh, ingesting the fentanyl. Because I know I've read that, and I, I think maybe you didn't believe this at first, but that pe- growers, like weed manufacturers, will spray their strains, their flour with fentanyl so that, you know, people can have a better high and think, oh, it's just, I'm just smoking weed, but. Well, it was I was in a warehouse inexpensive fentanyl is, so I can see people sort of trying to uh, modify their product, if any, if it's cannabis or, or amphetamines, to make it more addicting with the, such an inexpensive uh, product. Yeah, so I, I think it goes back, I think, you know, with that said, it kind of just goes back to you never know what you're really taking when you decide to start misusing substances. Well, you're right. Drug dealers aren't selling any FDA-approved products, so you don't really know what you're going to be getting. So that's just one of those buyer beware kind of situations that uh, you really don't know what's in your, what you're smoking or inhaling or uh, buying in a pill form. So that's the, that's just one of the risks that people take, and unfortunately, um, the risk this risk is killing a lot of people. And so, what are you know your colleagues in the medical field kind of saying about you know this this problem? Because obviously, the numbers have gone up. It doesn't seem like it's going away anytime soon. And what's the what's the game plan or this potential solution to you know fight the fight back? Well, the experts for the National Institute of Drug Abuse will tell us that prevention is the key here. Targeting adolescents, teenagers, uh, with uh, there's different strategies that have been developed to uh, bring some awareness, and there are tools, screening tools that are available to start identifying uh, kids at risk to uh, prevent them from, as adults, um, graduating, if you will, to uh, opioids and other uh, dangerous drugs. So I think that's the key to uh, preventing this from becoming a worse crisis than it already is. And where are these overdoses primarily happening? Like in what part of America and what age group? Well, Primarily, it's been identified to be a West Coast phenomena. Oh, wow. So uh, in the Northeast, it, it's felt that amphetamines are a little more in, in uh, vogue over there. Though we do see our share of amphetamine and cannabis in, in, in the Western coast of the United States. However, fentanyl seems to be more prevalent here than it is elsewhere. Wow. And why do you think that is? Do you think because we're closer to the border and it's brought in? Or is... Fentanyl, something that's probably just made somewhere in California or something. Yeah, I'm not really sure where if it's coming in from uh, Mexico or it's manufactured here in the uh, in, here in the U.S. But those are the statistics that it's more, more of a uh, of the Western states that are getting affected by the fentanyl overdose crisis. Oh, it's really sad. I mean, it's sad overall, but just to think that you know 
people are dying and like they don't even probably don't even see it coming they're just thinking oh i'm gonna get high and then they don't wake up or they stop breathing that's terrifying and um, what's also well known is that only 10% of patients that suffer from addictions in the, in the United States get f- formal treatment in a, in a drug rehabilitation center. So more funding for more rehab centers would help, obviously, in taking care of the, the vast number of people that suffer from addictions in the United States. And what do you, because uh, I think this kind that kind of reminds me of like, something we were talking about with alcohol and like alcohol's anonymous and the idea behind that of like cutting going rogue and like quitting cold turkey and when it comes to substances like opioids is there that same philosophy of quit cold turkey uh like how do you go about that well we i know we've mentioned it in our i'm prior episodes of our podcast that it's been reported off from the National Institute of Drug Abuse is that the, that philosophy of total abstinence is not founded in any evidence-based uh, studies. Mm-hmm. So it's felt that if patients are allowed to cut down, so that in and of itself may be a win, that people don't necessarily need a completely stop their drug use and it may be just advantageous and and a victory in and of in and of itself if they just cut down substantially if if possible Um, i think there are some patients that they get triggered with the first drink or the first dose of whatever it is and they can't stop and i think that in that sense maybe the toss that model will help for those that just cannot control themselves but i think for most people if they can just cut down on their drug use that would be a substantial uh gain for them it's almost maybe like uh if you think about like exercise people tell you like you don't have to go 100 percent the first time you can just start by walking 10 minutes a day and then you gradually increase it's maybe could be that approach of like instead of increasing you're gradually decreasing over time but again i don't know if you're addicted to those types of substances first of all you have to want to stop because if you don't want to stop i don't see anyone logically saying oh i'm going to start cutting back well you see i think that's can even be a research question and the more that we talk about this the more that we can think about it the more that we can try to strategize to come up with solutions and that's what well, that's why it's a point to dialogue, to explore different possibilities of treatment and so forth. But it has to start by talking about the scope of the problem. And, and, and I think that that's what we're doing now, just bringing to, to, to surface what's been reported. And, and it's, again, something that needs immediate attention because it's killing a lot of people. Yeah, well, we can only hope that the numbers, the, the overdose numbers go down. However by the looks of it and that may not be the case so but hopefully this time next year the numbers will be looking a little different for the better and talking about numbers we mentioned in our last podcast about how just with one substance whatever it may be alcohol cannabis amphetamines 
that the suicide rate goes up tenfold. When you inject a substance, the suicide risk goes up 17-fold, or excuse me, 14-fold. And when you're using multiple substances, your suicide risk goes up 17-fold. So substances do increase the rate of suicide. That's obvious and that's clear and that's well-documented. So it's just something that our, our, our audience needs to know to be careful with uh, substance use if you're feeling depressed because it's, it, especially with alcohol, it can be disinhibiting and, and just push you over to that edge where you, you will actually hurt yourself or maybe even hurt somebody else as well. Yeah, it's important that we have these conversations and I'm glad that I'm glad you saw that updated, you know, statistic and I think it's very fitting for the month of May since we are, you know, bringing awareness to the topic. And that's the key uh, in in this is the the month of May, but again it's it's the disease, the illness doesn't stop in May or it's not only in May of course and it's something that we want to highlight because it's things are not getting better in that sense. The statistics are showing that things are getting worse. So it calls for immediate intervention on behalf of anyone that can participate in making things better, be it government, academic institutions, researchers. Uh, the public needs to know what the crises are so that we can start addressing them and hopefully um, come up with some solutions. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of 2020 Psych. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We hope that you found some insight in this new episode and feel free to reach out to us at 2020 Psych Podcast on Instagram. You can check out our new episodes on there and our past episodes, but thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a great day wherever you are. <laughs>